Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. We are continuing on in our series in Luke. So if you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 8, we're looking at verses 1 through 21 today. I'd like to just uh, commend Mike for coming up and sharing that little uh, testimony with us. It's, uh, Mike, thanks for doing that. You can only imagine this get up in front of 100 people or so and share something that happened with you this week with the Lord. And, and so, um, you know, we, we, we want to see more of that in this church. If God has, has done something in your life, if he's revealed a verse to you, or you had an opportunity to, like Mike said, just pray for someone, um, come forward, talk to whoever, whoever's leading the meeting today, it's, it's Tim or myself, and just say, hey, I've got something I'd like to share, and, and we'll decide if it's, if it's right on with what we need to have said today. So we want to we see more of that. We want to see more of that. We're praying for that. We're praying that God would continue to bring words of encouragement, not just from the leadership of the church, but through all of Christ's body, which, which, we, which we are. So I want to see more of that. I also want to just commend um, just a couple of people, Brett, Stauner, and Heather. Um, we are so thankful, Brett, <clears throat> for you. Some of you guys may see Heather up front singing, and, uh, but Brett is in the back pretty much every week doing the sound, making sure everything's set up. He's they're the last people to leave. They're first, usually the first people to get here. Uh, week after week, they serve relentlessly. And uh, they, they right now are in the process of trying to, um, to start fostering. And uh, it was really neat because they gave me a, the reference form. I had to fill out this reference sheet form, making sure the, the organization they're going to go through to begin fostering wants to know, are these, is this couple legit? <laughs> are, they, are they a good couple? And one of the questions was, are they dependable? And I'm like, I put, you're supposed to put like an X, whatever. I put two X's there. I'm like, you have no idea. You have no idea. And so, Brett and Heather, we commend you guys for your faithfulness to serve. And uh, the examples to what it means to to follow Christ. And uh, it really means a lot to me and a lot to us as a church to to have people in our body who are so busy serving us, but also looking outward to say, who can we serve who needs Jesus out there as well? And they're doing that. So thank you guys for doing that. All right. Luke chapter 8. We, uh, we are in week, I believe, week 19 of our series in Luke. Like I said, we're going to be here for a long time, so just get used to it. Show up when we start preaching, it's open to Luke, and we'll be somewhere in there. Um, but last week, we talked about the sinful woman. Well, actually, Andy was here last week, so uh, Andy Smith and the Axis worship, worship Band, I heard it was just a really neat time together, and uh, we're so thankful for our connections. We're, we're Mercy Hill Church, but we don't stand alone. We stand with other, other um, churches and brothers and sisters in Christ who support us and care for us and love us, and uh, so the Axis, which is the high school um, ministry of, of our church and of Living Words Church 
uh, which meets at Living Word at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock on Sunday nights or 6 o'clock. I can't remember which one it is. Um, 6 o'clock. Okay, perfect. 6 o'clock, Living Word. If you're in high school, that's, that's the youth group. But uh, they came and served us last week. This week, we're looking at a passage in Luke chapter 8. And there's the parable of the sower that we're looking at today, or the parable of soils, or the parable of seed. And this is probably one of the most often read parables of, of Jesus' ministry. Um, that and the prodigal son, I think, are probably go hand in hand with what we hear the most. But this morning, what, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to just look at only just that one parable, because I believe that in this section of Scripture in Luke verses 1 through 21, there's a bigger picture, a bigger theme that's going on that we need to see. And so although we could probably spend a couple of weeks just looking at the parable of the sower or parable of seed, um, we are going to just today get a, kind of a bigger picture of what's going on around it. Because Luke is communicating something to us in this parable, but he's doing so by way of what he says before and what he says after this parable that is important for us to see this morning. So, we are starting in, in Luke chapter 8, verses, verse 1. And I'm just going to pray and ask the Lord to be with us as we do this. Lord, thank you this morning for your word. Lord, thank you that we can come together this morning and, and hear your word read and spoken. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that you've given each one of us. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would, by your Holy Spirit, give us understanding. Lord, that you would, you would move upon our hearts, that you would soften our hearts, that we would be the soil that would respond in faith to you. And Jesus, we are thankful that, that your word continues to go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start in verse 1. We'll read to verse 3. Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And their twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their means. We'll get back to this in a, in a little bit, but I just want to just, a couple things I want to say about this. In the Gospels, women are never portrayed as enemies of Jesus Christ in all the Gospels. And actually, I don't know if there's ever a, a thing said about a woman in the Gospels that was negative. And so here, from, the, from all of the Gospels and all of their perspectives, the only enemies of Jesus were men. The women were always portrayed favorably. Isn't that great? That's awesome. But also in this passage, we see this Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. What I love about this is it's a testimony of the grace of God. Here, this woman who was possessed by seven demons, she was, she was living a life that was, in, is it, was, was against Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ redeems her, sets her free, and now she's ministering to Jesus. The very person who is an enemy of Christ is now the very person who's ministering to Christ. That's something only Jesus can do. What a great, what great hope we have in Jesus. 
At one point, we were enemies of God, but now we are actually sons and daughters of God. Saved by grace. What a testimony of grace this is. The very enemy of Jesus is now the one serving him, caring for him, meeting his needs. All right. That's all I want to say about that for now. Let's move on to verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus gives us this parable, and this is kind of the, almost the mother of all parables in some sense, because he he then goes on after this parable to tell why he teaches in parables. And so Jesus, from the very beginning, is introducing us to a parable. And a parable is really something that compares life and spiritual events with everyday objects and events. So he might have been teaching this, he might have been saying this, and just off to the side, there might have been a guy who's sowing seed. And so everyone's looking over like, yeah, I know, okay, I see what he's saying here. This is actually going on. That might be the case. But it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So here he is, he's teaching something just plain, simple. Everyone knows what he's talking about. They lived in a culture where, like they said, there's probably people doing this around them maybe. And they understood what he was saying. Now, he ends this by saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So we get from the very beginning here, Jesus saying, look, you need to listen to this. It's not just, oh, I heard that, but I'm listening to this. He's like, I want you to hear this. I want you to listen to this. Now, verse 9, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others... They are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. What is he talking about here? I mean, it seems like a bit of a contradiction here. He's talking about, okay, I'm teaching in parables, but I'm doing so because although some people may hear what I'm saying and see and, see and get what I'm, what I'm doing here, you're not going to understand. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. And what he's doing is he's, he's talking about the Israelites in, in Isaiah's ministry were, were, hard, were hard against God and rebellion against God. And God said, in your rebellion, I'm going to just conti- continue to harden you to the, my message. I'm going to give you over to the rebellion of your, of your own desires and you're going to become harder and harder and harder against my message. Because that is what you've chosen to do. You've, you've been in rebellion against me. So he says to his disciples, though, he says, I give you the, 
the keys to the kingdom. I give you the secrets of the kingdom. And when he talks here about secrets, it's, it's a mystery. The word's mystery. And what he's talking about here is something that cannot be understood unless there's a heavenly revelation, unless Jesus comes and explains it. So apart from Jesus explaining this to us, we, it's, it's hard for us to understand this. And so in this parable, he says this is, the parable itself is both a blessing and it's a judgment. Because what it does, it's a blessing to those who are on the inside who understood what he was talking about and how the kingdom works. But it's a judgment to those who are on the outside who did not understand and lacked the understanding. And that lack of understanding was a judgment against them. Okay, This is what I'm talking about. Okay? It's kind of confusing. It's, I, want, I want us to understand this. It's a bit like NASCAR, okay? I don't know if we have any NASCAR fans in the house, but I've, I've watched a couple of minutes of NASCAR before, and I don't get it, okay? I know it's a sport. I know these guys are athletes. In my mind, I'm like, look, athletes need to be able to do something that other people cannot do. Everybody can turn left. It's not like, it's not a special sport for people that, can, you know, really, really get it. But one time, as I'm, I, I watched, you know, turn it on, okay, watch two minutes of it, this car, okay, boring, I just, I don't like it. But one time, I sat down with Michelle's dad, and Michelle's dad knows a little something about NASCAR. So as we're, as we're watching the NASCAR race, he begins to explain it to me. Well, here's what they're doing, here's why they're, they're, they're going, making a pit stop here, and here's, here's the move he wants to make, and this guy's going to come do this next, and, and he just begins to explain the whole thing to me. Well, at that point, I'm like, wow, that was really helpful. I mean, I still think it's boring, but, it's, it, but at least I, I kind of get it now. I understand what's going on. And so part of the parables is like that. The parable is really, for us, an invitation to draw near to Jesus. And so apart from that, we just kind of like, we heard the parable of the sower. It's like, okay, great. It's like NASCAR. Just kind of walk away and forget about it. But here it was, her dad began to explain it to me, began to open up the kind of the secrets of NASCAR to me. You know what? You begin to really, under, you, you, get, you get to see something you never saw before. And as, the, as Jesus is teaching in parables, he's doing so in a way that is inviting us to draw near to him. He says, look, draw near to me. I'll tell you what you need to know. Just ask. Just come to me. Seek me. Pursue me. I'll let you know exactly what you need to know. But for those people who, who don't care, who aren't going to pursue me, who aren't going to seek after me, their hearts will only continue to get harder and harder and harder. But for those who ask, I'm going to give you the secrets of the kingdom of God. And all these things that I've been teaching about will make sense to you. I'll explain them to you. I'll care for you in this. There'll be a relationship. And so a parable for us and for the disciples as well was an invitation to draw near to Jesus. It's an invitation. Draw near to me. I'll explain it to you. Draw near to Jesus. Okay. So here's what he says to his disciples in verse 11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The, one, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes in and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Verse 13, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. 
But these have no root. They believe for a while. In times of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for, what, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Bears fruit with patience. So Jesus begins to explain this parable. That's why this parable is so great because Jesus systematically walks the disciples through the meaning of everything in the parable. And so Jesus says from the beginning, the seed that we're talking about, the seed that was sown out, is the Word of God. And its purpose is to produce fruit. There's a purpose in in the sowing of the Word of God, and it's to produce fruit. That's the deal. And then amongst this sowing of 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 the Word of God, there's four different responses to the Word of God. So the first one is the path. And this one never responds to God's Word. There's an indifference to God. It says, then the devil comes and takes it away. It's almost like immediately as the scene is sown, then the devil comes and takes it away. But never is able to mature, never able to grow, never able to produce fruit. And when I think about this, I think, why is it so hard for me at times as I begin to read God's word, begin to pray, listen to a sermon, why is it that almost immediately my mind begins to wander? Why is it that so quickly, I'm reading the Word of God, I get tired. My eyelids get heavy. I'm like, oh man, I should just go to bed. That happens all the time. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but it's like, why is that? Why, why can I be wide awake one minute, then crack open the Word of God and be completely exhausted the next? Part of that is we are battling a spiritual battle here. There are supernatural forces at work around us trying to prevent us from reading God's Word. It happens all the time. You're sitting here this morning, and as, I'm, as, as I am speaking to you today, there is a, a list of things you need to do today. We're going to have it. My, I'm hungry. What, the kids, what's going to, you know, just, there's a million things bombarding you right now as I speak. And Jesus is saying, look, there, there's, there's supernatural forces at work that are trying to, to take away from us God's Word. Number two, there's the rock, the rocky soil. There's an initial and superficial response to God's word. So they hear the word. It sounds great. This is, oh man, I needed to hear that this week. But when pressure and temptation comes, they fall away. It's just a superficial response to God's word. Number three, there's, there's the thorns. And he says this is a preoccupation with riches and pleasures, and it steals away God's word. I want to read a quote to you from, a, from an old dead guy by the name of J.C. Ryle. This guy's phenomenal, but he, this is what he writes. I want to read this. this is a longer quote, but I really want us to, to hear this. The third caution in the parable of the sower is to beware of the cares of this world. Our Lord tells us that the hearts of many hearers of the word are like thorny ground. The seed of the word, when sown among them, is choked by the great number of other things by which their affections are occupied. 
They have no objection to the doctrines and requirements of the gospel. They even want to believe and obey him. But they allow these things of the earth to get such a hold on their minds that they leave no room for the word of God to work. And from this, it follows that no matter how many sermons they hear, they never seem to benefit from any of them. A weekly process of truth stifling goes on within. They bring no fruit to perfection. The things of this life are one of the greatest dangers which beset a Christian's path. The money, the pleasures, the daily business of the world are so many traps to catch the soul. Thousands of things which in themselves are innocent become, when followed to excess, a little better than poison to the soul and a helping hand on the way to hell. Open sin is not the only thing that ruins souls. In the middle of families, and as we follow our lawful callings, we must be on guard. If we do not watch and pray, these temporal things may rob us of heaven and smother every sermon we hear. We may live and die rocky ground hearers. A sobering truth for us to hear. I used to when I when I read this when I was when I was younger, I used to read this and think, this is something that happens once in a lifetime. And so there's 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 a point at which we hear the word of God and we we have an opportunity to accept or reject it and, and we either walk away or it's embraced. We follow Christ. And that may that may be the case for some people. But I, I believe for us here living in this area with churches on pretty much every street corner, there, there might be the potential for us to come to church on a regular basis, hear the Word of God preached week after week, and bear little to no fruit in our lives. Because of, uh, because of this very reason, that this, this truth stifling, these, these desires and the, our, the things that come in around us stifle the very Word of God. And you see people around you, maybe even your own life, you're like, why is there year after year, this, they're just the same. There's no growth, there's no change, there's no transformation of, of, of the Holy Spirit in their life changing them. Why is that? And I would say because they're one of these soils. There's something going on in their life. I've had this happen in my own life. How many times have I heard a sermon, been convicted in my soul, and walked out the door and completely forgot what I heard. I mean, I'm at the car and I'm like, what did I hear? Even I'm at the car and I'm like, what did I just preach today? I mean, there's times when that, that happens. Why is that? Because I'm one of these soils. And there's no fruit. And there's no change. And there's no transformation. There's no drawing near to Jesus. But then he goes on and he says, look. The common denominator for these three soils is this. There's no fruit. That's the common denominator. There's no fruit in these soils. But there's the last soil. It's the good soil. He says, this is about faith that brings forth fruit with patience. And he says, this is the only kind of soil that is commended. And this passage is not about well, who's saved or is, is the thorny ground guy saved? Is the, is the, is the, the rocky soil guy saved? Is, it's not necessarily about who's saved, who's not saved. This is about who Jesus is commending as fruitful. And the only one he speaks, he commends, is the good soil. That's the only one. 
Now we're going to move on to Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18, because this fits in. There's chapter head, there's little headings above your paragraphs, usually in your Bible. That's helpful sometimes, and this passage is not helpful because we have to understand he's, he's bringing this all together. When, when, when the guys wrote this, when Luke wrote this, he didn't write chapter headings across the top of each paragraph. It's just, it's just one thing. So we have to move on to verse 16. We're going to continue to read. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will, not be ma- that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. And so there's light that exists to give guidance. It guides, it shows the way to go. And God's word is like this light. He's talking about, in this, in this passage, he's talking about God's word. It's a seed, it bears fruit. It's light, it gives guidance. It gives guidance to those who will respond to it. But then he goes on in verse 17 and says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. God's word not only bears fruit as a seed, not only gives, gives light as a lamp, but it also exposes. It exposes. It exposes the truth. It exposes reality. It exposes what really is. He says nothing will be hidden from God's word. He says take care then how you hear. It's important. He says take care then how you hear. He says look, the way that I want you to hear God's word is for you not just to hear it and see it, but I want you to respond in faith. And this is the kindness and mercy of God to us. That he would say to us, look, I, I'm presenting you with the reality of what God's word does. And I want you to respond in faith. I want you to walk in a way that honors and pleases me because that is what's best for you. It's how you really live. is in response of faith to God's word. And he says this in, at the end of verse 18. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. God's word's helpful because there's deception happening. This guy is being deceived. This guy thinks, I have something. But he says, in all actuality, he's been deceived. He has nothing. And even, even, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. And so God's word shows us that we may think, oh, I'm fine, I've got no problems, I'm living the life my way, I've got everything figured out. And he says, you know what, you're being deceived. It is only in God's word that we find the truth, that we see how to respond to Jesus Christ, that we see what God is like. He says, don't be deceived. Now we, we, we finish this passage in verses 19 through 21. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God 
and do it. If you, just re, if you just kind of break this in sections, you kind of get this Jesus and his mother and brothers part, you're like, okay, what's the point? Why is this put in there? I think we have to see this verses 1 through 21 as a whole unit. We have to understand what, Jesus, what, what Luke is doing in this. He says, look, Jesus' family, the ones that respond to Jesus, it's the wise person, who builds his house upon the rock. It's the, the Roman centurion who bows before Jesus and says, I'm not even worthy to have you come into my house, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. It's the sinful woman who pours her perfume and her tears in her life before Jesus. It is the woman at the beginning of, of chapter 8 who are ministering and caring for Jesus. He says, that's my family. Those are the ones who've heard my word and have responded. That is what is important. It's not just hearing the word, but it's hearing the word and doing it. It's a response of faith. And it's not that just somehow our obedience, doing good things, make us part of God's family, but it's an evidence. It's an evidence of faith. It's an evidence that we have put our trust and hope in Jesus Christ. He says, that's exactly what I'm talking about here. This whole unit goes together. And I believe it's the reason why we see these women in the beginning of chapter 8 caring and ministering for Jesus because I think Jesus is saying, look, those women, that is my family. This, this family unit supersedes all other family ties. And it's not bad having family. The family is, is commended in Scripture. It is important. But Jesus says, man, there's something that supersedes even family. There's something even greater than family. There's something that that knits people together that is greater than even the bonds of family. And it's the message of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who bonds us together. It is in Jesus Christ that we have family. It is in Jesus Christ where we find our identity. It is in Jesus Christ that all this comes together. And so... I want us to see that this morning. It is a response of faith. I believe there's a couple things that help us in this. Responding in faith. I think number one is this, is prayer. Prayer. This, this is how we are able, this is how God has made a way for us. It's a means of grace. It's a means by which we draw near to Jesus is through prayer. I cannot, under, I cannot talk enough about prayer. Prayer is vital for our lives. It is a way in which we communicate with Jesus. It is a way in which we draw near to Jesus. It is a way in which we make our petitions known, but a way that which God also speaks to us. Prayer is vital for us. God's Word. Number two, it's God's Word. God's Word is so important for us. This is the light. This is the seed. This exposes. This reveals Jesus Christ to us. Apart from God's word, we, we, we don't have an inkling of what Jesus Christ is like. This is God's special means by which he has chosen to reveal his son to us. And it's through God's word. That's why it is so vital for us as Christians. Even talking in earlier, it says, they hear the word and they hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. There's a holding fast to this word. I said, man, that's good soil. 
There's going to be a fruitfulness in this. We hold fast to it. I want to invite you to discern. I want to invite you to check your own life. What kind of soil, what kind of pattern in your life do you see? Is it one of fruitfulness? Is it one of, of great fruitfulness? A hundredfold. This, is, this isn't just a little bit of, of, of fruit. This is a, a supernatural harvest of fruit. Is there a fruitfulness in your life? Have you, are you being transformed by the renewing that God does in us through His Spirit? And this is the good news for us. This is an invitation for us to draw near to Jesus. He has made a way for us to draw near to Himself through the cross. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, He says, I'm going to pay for your sins. I'm going to give you Myself. You can be forgiven and brought near to to Almighty God through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And so I want to encourage you today, I want you to, to ask yourself, what soil am I? Do I get, do the pleasures of life choke out the things that God is doing in my life? Do I hear the word of God and go out and just completely forget everything I've heard? Or am I the one who hears the word of God and treasures and savors it and, draw, and uses it as an opportunity to draw near to Jesus? And so I'm going to pray. But as we close, I want us just to, just to have this in our minds. I want for us as a church, I want so badly for us, and my prayer for you, my prayer for this church and our church is this, that we would be fruitful, that God's word would bear fruit in our midst, that we would not be the same, that we would not be the kind of people who hear it and walk away, but that we would be the people of God who are commended because of God's grace, we can, ex- we can express faith in Jesus. And respond in a way that there is great fruitfulness in all that we do. So Lord, we ask you now. God, I pray that you would bring, Lord, a conviction. God, that you would reveal to us. You would help us understand, God, what we are like. That your word would expose us. And God, before your word that we would stand and Lord, I ask that, you, that by your grace and by your spirit, you would continue, Lord, to move in our lives and draw us near to yourself. Jesus, we read this and we realize how much we need you. We're not fruitful on our own. We're only fruitful with you and because of you, and because of your word. So Lord, please help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just give you an invitation as, as we close to respond. I think it's good to hear this and say, okay, I want to change. It's not about just doing more. It's not about, okay, I'm going to really get it this time. It's about drawing near to Jesus as the only one who can help us change. It's the only one who can, who can bear fruit in us. It isn't about us doing more work to get more fruit. It's about the Word of God bearing fruit in our lives. And so I want us to have an opportunity to respond. If you want, hey, if you want to come up for prayer, we can, we can, we'll pray for you.
if you just want to sit quietly and, and allow Adam to, to play and minister to you through, through a song, we can do that too. But don't leave here today. Don't leave here today unresponsive. Respond to the Lord and His opportunity He's given us today to be with Him.